Welcome back to the KPL Podcast. I'm your host, Jagisha. Listeners, this week on the podcast, I have Eliza Jane Brazer, and we are going to be talking about girls and their horses. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> yes, I have so many questions, but <laughs> so I really got into this horse world. So tell us about the book. Let's just just give us a brief, brief elevator elevator synopsis. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, no worries. It's kind of like a tricky one, but basically it's the story of a mother who's kind of like looking to connect with her daughters um, through this sort of shared love of horses. So they move to this elite community in Southern California and they kind of dive into this all-consuming horse world, right? It has like egotistical trainers, like cliquey mean girls, their competitive mothers. And as they're drawn deeper into this sort of enigmatic world, it becomes more and more clear that someone is headed for tragedy. Dun, 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 dun. Very nice. Yes. And I, yes, I was very deep into this. But tell me, what inspired this story? Well, so I have ridden horses since I was like five. I grew up outside of Rancho Santa Fe, which is the setting of the book. And there was a horse stable across the street from my backyard. So I've been in the horse world for a really long time, like as a sort of a child. And I returned as an adult and was a riding instructor. So I was a riding instructor in Orange County and in Los Angeles. And I taught like these sort of children of these sort of like rich and famous, you know, and it was just honestly born of just observing the different dynamics between uh, parents and their children. Like, you know, just the meeting parents who had always wanted to have horses growing up and then they wanted to kind of give that to their kid. And maybe the kid was interested, maybe they weren't, you know, and it was just um, out of that, that it kind of just sort of sparked the idea of talking about those kind of relationships, about parent-child relationships, about horse and, you know, rider relationships, just mm -hmm. the kind of idea of influence and over another living thing, really. Yeah. So tell me about horse people, because the term is, I was fascinated by sort of the idea of it and just spending your whole day at a barn. So, and how do they differ, say, from dog people or cat people? <laughs> well, so yeah, I guess I like you alluded to, and I was talking about this yesterday with the another sort of like horse person, but it is like an, an interesting sport in that you really do like live at the barn. I mean, a lot of people do, you know, so when I was younger, uh, as soon as I would get, you know, done with school, I'd go to the horse stable and I'd stay till it was dark. And that was every, you know, and then on Saturdays, I'd be there all day and we would just sort of hang out, you know, because horses require a lot of uh, like a lot of, you know, care, you have to exercise them, you have to feed them. And then, you know, obviously people are doing riding lessons and they're doing showing and they're doing a lot of different, like all different kinds of sort of like, um, cause, uh, like a horse is sort of almost like a, they need to be sort of working all the time and they need, you know, so they need a lot. So I think that that's kind of where it comes from, but then it becomes this thing where it's almost like this place it's almost like it's your living room. You know, it's like a place where you live. It's where your sort of family is. It's where you spend all of your time. Um, yeah. So it's kind of a different thing. It's almost like you can hide from the rest of the world in this mm -hmm. barn and it's really sucked in because there's always something to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now there's a lot of different personalities in this book. So you've got, you've got your main characters like Heather and Maple. Uh, and then you also have Pamela and Vita. So what type of personality makes a good like writer, jumper? And then also tell me more about these characters. What makes a good horse rider? Mm -hmm. It really depends, I think, on what you, there's so many 
different ways, I think, to look at what is a good rider. That's the thing. And people have different opinions because some people would say that a good rider was someone who wins competitions. Someone else would say it's someone who has like a really strong bond and like a positive relationship with their horse. Other people would think it's someone who can dominate a horse and make them do what they want. Um, and I think that's like what's so interesting about working with horses is that if you're, um, you know, if you choose to be aware of it, horses are like mirrors, they're like herd animals. So they're really influenced by whoever, you know, is around them, because that's like their survival instinct. So if another horse is scared, then that horse will will also feel scared, because that's like their kind of like flight or flight instinct, you know. So what's interesting about working with them is that they'll tell you a lot about yourself. So if you, you know, if you have a horse that's aggressive, then you want to look at who's working with it. If it's you, then where is that coming from? Because it's, they're usually reflecting you. So, so if you, yeah, it just, it just, um, that's what's I think interesting is it just tells you a lot about yourself as a person and you have to be willing to like face that and change that in like a way that I don't think any other relationship really forces you to. Yeah, that makes sense. I think one of the things you talked about in the, or one of the things mentioned in the book is how a a horse can pick up bad habits. Like you have a great horse that you, and then suddenly the horse is developing habits. And I guess that comes from the particular rider. Yeah, exactly. No, hundred percent. And then it's like when you, cause I've never really, I mean, I've always just worked in the industry. I never owned a horse before. And now I've owned the horse for, I bought a horse two years ago. And the thing is when you first get a horse, you're kind of fixing problems someone else caused, but then the longer you have one, you start fixing problems that you cause. And that's what I think is just such, I, that's what one of the things that I really love about it because it really does force you to look at yourself and say, how can I be a better person in like hmm. really, I think inspiring way to me. Yeah. Yeah. That is fascinating that horses pick up so much. So let's talk about some of the main characters. So Kieran is the trainer and then there's um, Heather, who's the new mom that you mentioned earlier and her daughter, Maple, who is not sure how she feels about horses. Sometimes she likes them, but she's also trying to please her mother. And then of course you got Pamela and Vita. So could you just dive into some of these characters a little bit? I mean, yeah. So I guess like uh, the first one you spoke about, Kieran, is kind of, to me, there's a type and it's kind of gone a little bit past it, but I started writing in like the 90s and then like the early thousands, you know, and there is this really sort of, I think, this type that almost everyone in the horse world knows of trainer who is very aggressive. And a lot of people use the fact that they say that horseback riding is dangerous to be very sort of aggressive with their riders. So I kind of based him on that kind of ideology, which I think is a little bit passe, like fortunately, but this idea that someone is going to be kind of scare you into being better or use your psychology against you to maybe motivate you, but also in kind of a dangerous way. Um, And then Heather, Heather was kind of inspired by almost like a specific mom that I that I encountered in Orange County. And it was this woman who had kind of come from, you know, not having a lot of money growing up and had always dreamed of being able to ride horses and just sort of seen them like she she was from Texas and she sort of grown up just like seeing them out in fields. And just wishing that she could ride one, you know, and so now she had married somebody who was wealthy and she had brought her son to come and like ride and he was like, he was adorable, but like so distant. I've never had a student who was more disinterested in horses. Um, but she was like fine with that. She wasn't like pushy or anything, but it just kind of was interesting that it just kind of got me thinking that I don't think it was like a negative 
impulse to want to give, you know, this sort of dream that you had had to your, to your child. But I kind of just wanted to look at how that mm-hmm. could be dangerous. Um, and then with Mabel, like her character was really about, I have a lot of anxiety. So I think I gave her a lot of the, the anxiety that I have. And I also felt like it was, uh, you know, I think it was sort of interesting to me in a way that like, so she comes from this situation where, where they lived in Texas and they've moved to California. So, but when they're in Texas, she was being really bullied by these girls. So she's just been through this really hard time. And I think that, you know, her mother wants to like help her out of that situation, but doesn't really know how, you know? So it's like, for me, it was important to try to make sure that the impulses that maybe but the impulses were good, but that maybe they could lead to sort of dangerous things. You know, the idea of trying to like help your kid to be different or be better. Like, how is that maybe a little bit sort of dangerous? Um, yeah. And then Pamela is someone who kind of like grew up with money, but then now is sort of slowly running out of it. And she also kind of like Heather wanted wanted to kind of like fix like give her daughter the life that she never had. She didn't really have a relationship with her mom. She didn't have a good relationship with her parents. So she is just there for Vita, like to almost an absurd level. And it's kind of this contrast that I wanted to create where it's like, you know, the the idea of like, is it good to push your kids or should you be like totally hands off? And I think that Pamela is like the example of being really hands off to the point where she lets Vita get away with stuff that you're like, well, maybe there's a point where you do have to sort of say, no (laughs) you know what I mean so yeah it was just kind of about about creating all those different sort of like contrasting relationships and and different like uh sort of methodologies and and putting them together and how do they Mm -hmm. kind of relate to each other you know yeah yeah I mean definitely nice parallels between Heather and Pamela's parenting and then Maple and Vita and and their personalities are are almost entirely opposite yeah it's very aggressive and one's not so aggressive (laughs) yeah it's like two sides of the same thing and it's I think too it's like I mean like as a writer you're almost like splitting little things in yourself because I think that everyone has like some kind of side where sometimes you're the victim and sometimes especially when you're young sometimes you're the victim and sometimes you're the bully and it almost comes from the same place but it's just different sides of the same Mm -hmm. definitely so now have you, have you been a, you say you ride, but have you been a competitor? No. No. <laughs> I am like, so I did not have money like to do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like, I'm from a family of like nine kids and my parents are not like, you know, we didn't have like a bajillion, you know, but they obviously did their best and they're great parents. Um, but so I came from a place of like, even when I was probably eight years old, I was working at the barn. So I was working just to be able to ride or be around horses, like I would work in the industry. Um, And it wasn't sort of like I said, like, even it wasn't until I started selling books that I could even buy my own horse. So I never, I did like what's called the schooling show. So that's like, if they have a show at your barn, that's just with everyone else at the barn kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, I was never in like the competitive sort of world, but I was kind of like around it. But and then I also feel like now I probably wouldn't even really want to show because I kind of don't like the idea of it. I don't think it's maybe necessarily fair on the horse, but yeah, yeah. So actually, could we talk a little bit more about horses? So one of the things that shocked me was the cost of a horse. So like Heather was looking at horses that were a million dollars and then they went up to the next second horse was like three million dollars. Yeah, I will say that that was probably the one thing that even like a horse person would be like, what's that like? what the heck horse is she buying that costs that much? I did think though, I was like with inflation, I got to make it really high. 
But then I also think that there's a possibility that you could consider that Kieran was maybe inflating the price. Mm-hmm. So, that being said, I mean, six figures would not be unreasonable. And I guess the other thing about the horse in the book is the idea is this is a horse that someone can go and win a Grand Prix on like the highest level and also somebody that inexperienced kid can ride, which would be a very like valuable horse. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I think, you know, it. There's so many, I mean, the industry is so sort of vast and there is, there's definitely horses that that could sort of achieve that kind of expense, but I definitely did make it on the very higher end, I would say. But I mean, if you really were going to get a horse that was that much, it'd probably be from Europe and it would be like the, I mean, it would be like freaking uh, the sort of Aristotelian ideal of a horse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, is there a difference between a racing horse and a jumping horse? Like, is that a different uh, species, different... Yes. I mean, it's different, not, I guess not, it's a different breed of horse usually, okay. right? So a racing horse, um, the horses that you see in like the Derby, Kentucky Derby that are always thoroughbreds, actually they did used to jump a lot on thoroughbreds, but now it's more people using warm bloods and there's a lot of kind of different variations within that. But yeah, there, it's kind of like not to get like too into like the sort of boringness of it, but there, it, there's, you know, horses that um, can do sort of like specific things and you can't like, I couldn't make my horse. I have a horse right back there right now. This horse, I could not make her, you know, win a race against a thoroughbred. It's impossible. She Mm -hmm. couldn't show jumping. So yeah, there is, um, there are different breeds that can specialize and do different things. And and there's some movement there, but yeah, it would be a different breed. You wouldn't really be show jumping on a thoroughbred anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I th- you kind of touched on this earlier, and um, but uh, some of the main themes in your book is family and parenting. And so could you just talk a little bit more or elaborate more on your themes? I mean, yeah, I guess like one of, so I like to like base a book around like a central question um, that kind of maybe doesn't have like an easy answer. And so I kind of alluded to this, I guess, but the question with this one was like, is it ever okay to influence your kids? Because I think it's such a tricky question because I think that the impulse is that everyone has is to go, oh no, just let them be themselves. But I think any parent knows that's really number one, unrealistic and really like uh, irresponsible at a certain point. And I think that, you know, obviously kids need, do need some level of guidance. And if you don't give it to them, then they will find it somewhere else. Um, so like within that paradigm, like I kind of wanted, I had, I guess it's like Kieran on one end who is the super controlling side, right? Like control everything and just sort of make them work for you. And then on the other end is like Pamela, who's like the other, you know, just like she even doesn't have a strong objection when her daughter chokes another girl in front of her. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's just to me, I think that when you base like a story around a question that's impossible to answer, it's like, it's endlessly generative. You know what I mean? There's always something to say about it. <laughs> Sorry, that's what I <laughs> There's a snail on the... Um, um, who is your favorite mystery author? I mean, this is definitely a mystery. You're trying to figure out what happened. Do you have a particular one that you like or someone that influenced you a great deal? I mean, I guess like, okay, so this book I would say was really influenced by Leanne Morarity and Megan Abbott. Like those were the kind of ones that were like in my head. Um, obviously it's like, it's always something different even when you're influenced, but like, I love the idea of like how Leanne Morarity did, does, um, the ensemble story where you're like going and it's third point of view and you're going into all different sort of characters heads. And then like, I love what Megan Abbott, how she does these kind of like stories about girls, but in like this really fierce and exciting and like dangerous way, you know, mm-hmm. but I think 
I am influenced. It depends on like all my books. I feel like are really different from each other. So yeah, like who I'm influenced with for this book, it's kind of like what I think fits, I guess, um, the story and what I want to do, you know? Mm -hmm. What about you? What are some of your favorite mysteries? Oh, oh, it's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) I like the classics. I'm a big fan of sort of the whodunit. So like Agatha Christie and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Um, Let's see. Then more recently... I just, um, Anne Cleves is great because she does the Vera Stanhope series. And so hers are always very intriguing. And the character, I always find her characters really well developed. And so you get, it's it's not a huge long book, but you still get a lot about each individual character. And she has a very large cast of characters. Yeah. I don't understand how people do it. I mean, whenever I read these books and they're so tricky and smart, I'm just like, how? (laughs) Because you know, someone wrote them, but you're like, I can't believe it. (laughs) You're like, how could you think? I don't know. It's amazing. Yes. I always see them as like puzzles. Like they're puzzle builders and they're building this this incredible puzzle. Yeah. And like you like sort of indicated, it's like there's so much in in such a small space. They pack so much like like of the mystery and like the character into such a small amount of story. It's it's insane. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I guess I want to know more about Horse Barn. So could you just talk a little bit more about that? Because that's a huge, I mean, it's almost like there's a whole personality, almost a separate character. The barn itself is a character uh, in the book. I mean, I think that, you know, like we sort of said, they're just like, they're such sort of, there's so many um, different sort of layers to it because you have the people who are working there, right? Who are usually people, a lot of times it's people who just will want to be around a horse any way they can. They can't afford a horse. So they end up working there for very little money and very few or poor, I mean, not sufficient benefits when you consider you're doing kind of a dangerous job. Um, And then, you know, you have the kind of a lot of like the sort of trainers who are like very sort of revered and are kind of like given all the power. Um, But even it's, it hard for even them to make money. And mm-hmm. that's also another interesting thing is that people think of it as being like this really sort of expensive sport and that there's money everywhere and these horses are so expensive and they're so expensive to keep and stuff. But it is very sort of a difficult business to to like be successful in, you know? I mean, it's like you're dealing with so few clients and you go to these shows and especially like I'm not mine's my book is specifically to to um, Southern California, like on the East coast, there's a much bigger and more like robust industry, mm-hmm. but you know, in like Southern California, I mean, although it's, it goes up and down, but it's not like unreasonable for you to be showing against the same person every time. So you get this, this kind of family and even bigger family in the people that actually go and compete against each other. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, there's only so many people who are in that position who can afford to keep riding, to afford to have horses, to have the right equipment, to have the right trainers and transport and everything. So it, it is like this really um, almost like incestuous familial um, world, you know, which I think is really interesting. And there's, there's so many sort of levels to it and so many barriers, I think, to where you can go. Mm-hmm. You know, on who you are and where you can fit you know and people are competing to like at, like my level where I'm just like an employee like we're competing to get to ride to exercise these horses that for free that someone else is getting paid you know to to train I mean it's just like an interesting like sort of microcosm of the world I think you know 
Yeah, yeah. And I think you capture that really well in the book, too. I mean, you definitely get a sense of the layers. You've got Kieran at the top, but then you have the grooms, you have some of the writers and trainers and people desperate to go pro. And of course, you have the, the owners. So yeah, it's 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 a very fascinating world. Um, so the next question is, the title of your book is Girls and Their Horses. So just out of curiosity is, what's the sort of gender differences? Do you, you don't, I know you mentioned you, uh, there's some boys, but I, I feel like it seems like horse girl is more of a common word than um, like horse boy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess it's like, I mean, I, I'm being a girl myself, I can only really, I guess, say so much for boys, but it does seem like, I mean, especially in like the English writing world, it's, there's more women in the sport, right? And I also feel like there is this kind of, um, you know, I mean, I worked with, with kids, but there is this kind of like this, a big part of the industry that is, is catering to young girls, right? And a lot of girls grow up riding and then they stop, right? So that's like a big kind of actually um, part of the industry and part of like the money-making thing is like sort of just having these sort of like, you know, cute little girls in their little outfits jumping their horses on their like sweet little or their sweet little ponies, you know? So I really kind of thought that that was an interesting part of the industry because even though it's like there's this sort of pro and the kind of grand, I think that the, the whole like romantic idea of, a, of like a young horse girl is really very central to the sport, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of what I wanted Mm -hmm. to talk about and also it's obviously very like sort of personal to me and I think it's you know a lot of people you know I have friends that I grew up with and we all rode together and now we're all grown up and and we all look back on that time in our lives as being like the best time because it was just so like we were so sort of safe and protected we had so much fun we like loved our horses we had this you know really mm -hmm. special relationship with our animals and with each other so yeah, to me, like there's a very strong, like sort of personal connection, I think to specifically horse girls. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> so what do you hope readers take away from your book? Um, I mean, you know, to be honest, it's like the, my, in my like ideal world, it's like, I would just love for people to, um, you know, take more of an interest in horses. I think that we're at like such a great and interesting sort of like juncture in the whole like equine industry where we're able to um, look at the way things have always been done and kind of how can we be better horse stewards how can we like actually evolve as an industry where we're not like um where we're moving away from this idea of like dominate dominating an animal or just like being better um better horse people really mm -hmm. um so like to me if people can read this book and, and can take like a passion for horses and, and become like more invested in like how can we give horses better lives like how can we sort of rescue or how can we um advocate for horses that would be like even though it's not like necessarily what the book is about like that to me would be like the ideal um outcome yeah. Yeah, no, I have to agree. Because I mean, I was thinking about horses. I mean, we started off as as horses were used for farming. And, you know, as work, you know, they were part of our daily lives in terms of. So it's now it's kind of like now they're sport. <laughs> and so yeah, I agree. Like, like, it's yeah. been a huge change. Yeah. And it's just like a tricky thing. Because it's like, I mean, I just personally, like, just want to make sure that there's like a place for them. Because it's like, you know, it, it would be great if they could all just run wild and free, but they can't. So it's like, we need to be looking at how we can create and replicate that environment 
like in captivity to the best that we can and, and that we actually like value these animals because like the you know if we don't then they will disappear you know mm-hmm. which I think would be a huge loss yeah absolutely so what's next for you are you already working on something else yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for edits back on my next book, which is so like, I guess kind of said earlier, like all my books are really different. So this one is really, really different. <laughs> um, not, but in yeah. horse world. <laughs> not in the horse world. No, it's in like the um, like assassin world. <laughs> in like Europe, It's like this cross country Europe contract killer thing. That's just like this super plot forward, crazy, like it was really fun to write totally different though. Yeah. So that makes, uh, so I'm curious, what is your process? Like, do you just start off with a question and then you just dive in and research a particular world? I mean, yeah, I think it kind of depends. I mean, ultimately you're also like, when you're under contract, you are kind of pitching. So it is like almost in a collab collaboration where I'm having to try to think, what will my editor buy? I guess the last two times it's been the first thing I said, but, you know, I think a lot of times it's just, it's me wanting to make sure that I'm not entertained, but like that I'm being challenged and that I'm just kind of like trying to, I, I'm always trying to do better as a writer. Like I spend more time studying how to write than I do writing. Mm-hmm. So I was just trying to like improve. So I'll usually just take like something that I really want to do or like that I want to see on the market, you know, and then I'll just try to be like, okay, this time I'm going to like, for this one, it was like, I really wanted to write an ensemble and I wanted to write the story where it kind of like interlocked. And that was what I really wanted to do. Um, and then of course I obviously already had the passion for horses. So that just was like the icing on the cake. And then with this next one, I wanted, cause this, with this ensemble was very character focused. The next one, I really wanted to do something that I was like, can I do something with that's really plotty? That's going to have twists and turns and really like be this sort of high octane, really exciting thing. I was like, can I do it? You know? So it's, for me, it's always about just trying to do something different, something that's not there out there already trying to like push the envelope and and challenge myself so that I'm always getting better and learning, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, great. Last question. And then I guess you can go outside and play. <laughs> She's supposed to be sleeping right now. She's like, mom, you're not chilling with me on the sofa. What's going on? One question we always ask our authors, uh, what do you recommend or uh, to read? Oh, yeah. Read something that you're like, oh yeah, everybody should read this. Yeah, I have like, a, okay. So ones that I've read, are that recently that are really good that I really liked. Um, Magic, or sorry, I keep talking. Mr. Magic by Kirsten White, which is like this really super unique, like super original. Like it's even hard to explain, but it's about these kids who are on a children's show when they were younger and then they kind of come back as adults and it has like these elements of kind of like, you know, like I guess like sci-fi, like magical kind of magical realism, but you know, it's just like this really crazy, really fun, really unique book. Um, and then Atomic Blonde by Haley Sutton, which I is like all so many things that I love. It's like this kind of like um old Hollywood kind of like a mystery with this girl who's running this like true crime bus in Hollywood. Um, And then I am looking forward to Midnight is the Darkest Hour by Ashley Winstead. I'm looking forward to uh, A Twisted Love Story by Samantha Downing. And um, I'm Not Done With You Yet by Jesse Pusasanto. Those are all coming out over the summer. So those are ones that I have like pre-ordered. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm a big Jessica Cusatanto fan. So yeah, I'm looking forward to hers. Uh, I just read uh, Vera Wong's uh, advice for, unsolicited advice for murderers, yeah. which was really Did good. Did you love it? 
Like she is, so she like debuted at the same time as me. And like, she is like so inspiring. It's like amazing how she just, uh, and all of her books are consistently amazing. Like just the way her brain works is just like mm-hmm. unbelievable to me. <laughs> I admire her so much. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time and listeners, Girls and Their Horses. It's available right here at the Kirkwood Public Library and wherever fascinating books are sold. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you are listening for the podcast challenge, the code word is community. Once again, the code word is community. That's our show this week. Thank you for listening. Join us next week when we have author Fiona Davis telling us about The Spectacular, her latest novel about the Rockettes and the Big Apple Bomber. Until next week.